Today, coming up on the Rambling Rake podcast, my first guest, that's right, I promised last week and I've delivered, Dan Wilkins, photographer for the Sunday Times in West Australia, will be joining me in the studio today. Dan's got a glittering legacy as one of the state's best photographers in footy for some years now. He's won plenty of awards, he's shot grand finals, but most of all, he's just an awesome bloke who came in and shared a bunch of stories, really cool stories with us, and I'm super excited to bring you this interview that we did on Friday, March the 6th. So please, stick around, enjoy the show. Alright, so we're here with West Australian slash Sunday Times photographer Dan Wilkins. Wilco, thanks so much for coming on the show, mate. I really appreciate you making the drive out to mate. South Yonder up. <laughs> thanks um, for having me. No, not a drama at all. Um, I'm sorry that you actually rocked up to my house before I did, <laughs> so all good. But I thought today it'd be a good chance to get you on. Uh, I've known you for a while now, just through my time at the Mandra Mail and you being a, a media personality around Mandra, I suppose. Um, it'd be a good chance to get you on. And we yeah. can talk a bit of photography and how you got into that. And then also, I know you love your Dockers. <laughs> we'll talk Dockers at some point because I love them too. Yeah. And then uh, also a bit of local footy, and, and that'll be on the cards, but basically the floor is yours if you want something to chat about, mate. But again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, thanks, Justin. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, been uh, in, into my photography for a while, and um, actually started as a 17-year-old at, at your paper at the Mandra Mail, and um, back when um, local papers employed photographers, which um, doesn't seem to happen much anymore. Sadly, and... a foregone <laughs> thing, yes. Um, <laughs> And, uh, I mean, we shot on film back then, so that's um, that's how long ago it was, you so know. So you know what year it was when you started <laughs> the shooting on film? Uh, well, I'm, I was 17, I'm 43 this year, so I'll let uh, you do the maths. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, oh, mate, it was a great time. Um, Mandra Mail was sort of building into the, the paper that it is now and um, kind of finding its its place in the local market. And, and obviously one of the highlights for me was covering the Peel Football League, um, you know, you know, like you mentioned, I love my footy. And um, but as I said to you before we started, um, the Pill, Pill Football League was actually my intro to to, to AFL to complete Australian rules yeah, football. Yeah, so I I had never seen a game of AFL. My parents are English, and my dad um, hated the sport. Um, being English, um, come from a rugby background, so I played rugby as a kid and. And um, I think we went to one waffle game uh, where he was given corporate tickets or something and we, we, we ate sausage rolls in the stands and, <laughs> and we left at half-time, that sort of thing. But So my first game of, of the sport of AFL was um, a South Mandra versus Mandra derby, you know, at the start of the season. And my dad came along and um, it was amazing. I mean, that day I, I fell in love with the sport, you know. Um, fell in love with it as a as a punter, but obviously also as a photographer as well. Um, chose my allegiance with the mighty South Mandra Falcons. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, did was, they win that game? Is that oh, how you I got there? I can't remember. Um, <laughs> they, won, they won plenty of games after that. They, they had a had a good a good stint while I was yep. working down here. As did Mandra. I mean, Mandra won a few flags as well, but. Um, it's just really good. Like it was back in the day when you could park on the boundary. You know there was um, there was personalities in in the league. You know um, you'd go to Rushton Park um, when it was Rushton Park um, back then, and you could drive into the ground and there'd be all the cars parked on the on the hill and um, watching the footy from the back of the Ute or the wagon and and you know rugged up with the with a doona and 
probably sneaking in a few trophies as well. But, oh, yeah. Um, mate, it was it was amazing. I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen a Pill Football League game for a long time, but um, back then it was just such a great um, league to be involved with. And, and like I said, there was just so many characters. You know, we had uh, obviously Roger Genza, who, who was a, a legend of the league, but there was just so many other guys. Phil Gilbert, obviously, when he came down, and, you know, there was a dude called The Sheik, who used to run around with a towel on his head? And, um, there's just yeah, there's just so many le- so many legends, you know, and um, I loved it. Um, and then, as I mentioned to you before we started, um, when I got my gig with AFL Photos, um, my portfolio was just pure football league photos. So I um, I got the gig with them just on the strength of obviously the images, but. Um, but it was all pill football league, so I guess in their eyes it was a bunch of kind of nobodies, you know. But yeah, um, yeah it was really good. It was a really good time. And then um, I worked for the AFL um, for for a couple, two or three years. And then um, while I was working with uh, Community News, um, I, obviously after my stint with the Mandra Marlin, again it was just um, it was amazing, you know, like uh, you know sitting on the sidelines watching your heroes kick a footy around and. Um, I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Like it's just such a, a highlight of my career. And um, unfortunately, being a Freo supporter, obviously like you, you know, <laughs> you've got to remain professional. But like how everyone who describes that they're a Freo supporter these days starts the sentence with unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, but we love it. Yeah. So. Oh mate, look. I mean, there's been for as many bad times, there's been good times. You know, like and sometimes the good times and the bad times were in one game. You know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the only drawback about shooting AFL was that I kind of lost my love as a punter, like watching watching AFL. I never watched AFL when I shot AFL because, obviously, I was watching my team play every second week. Um, wasn't interested in watching the other mob, um, the other West Australian team play. And um, a lot of the time I was working on the weekend when, when the Dockers were playing, so I just never got to, to see them play. And because it was my job, I kind of lost my love for footy, um, and now I don't shoot much footy. Um, I shoot a bit of waffle, which I love, um, but I've I've started regaining that love for the sport, um, which I, I kind of kind of appreciate. Like I don't shoot as much AFL, which I'm I'm sad about, but I kind of love that I I've fallen back in love with the sport, you know. So, and you know, we're as passionate as anyone as oh, yeah. supporters. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny that you mentioned the love for the game that comes. Uh, juxtaposed to working for the game, yeah, it, it it is something that throws you a bit in terms of your love for footy. Um, I've only ever worked at the local level and some of the waffle level covering Peel Thunder. Yeah. Other than that, it's all been Southwest Football League, and now for the last four years, it's been Peel Football League. And it's true that I used to love country footy as equally as I loved the AFL. But when you work it every week, and no matter what job you're in, work becomes chore-like yeah. at, at some point. Um, I got sick of going to country footy yeah. for a while. I, I managed to sort of rekindle that by just sort of shifting the workload and how it, would, how it would happen. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on sort of how that working, I guess, for the, for the game can sort of burn you out a bit in terms of your love for the game. What did you sort of go through with that? Uh, well, I mean, for me, I was having to cover the news angle to every game. And um, and obviously being a supporter of a team and having to photograph that team, if that team is losing, then I'm having to, to cover the negative side of the game apart from the action. So 
Um, and that can involve you know players getting injured or following players after the game. Um, I mean, one of my um, one of my favourite photos is is Pav um, after his last game, and um, you know he's crying, you know his family are crying, and uh, and he's been comforted by his wife Lauren and his kids, and um, it's one of my favourite photos. Like it's just raw emotion. Pav's my favourite player. Um, that would make two of us. Yeah, yeah, love the guy, and um, had a really good relationship with him um, while I worked. Um, covering Fremantle, um, I do. I did a, quite a lot of work for the club as well. So work, you work quite a lot with these guys, and you're watching the end of an era. Um, you know this guy you've watched for for almost your whole career, and um, and it's it for him. You know, um, and it's tough. Like even um, when we lost the GF, you know, um, having to photograph guys crying and um so you're you know, there on grand final day 2013 yeah yeah so we drove over as part of our coverage for the sunday times so myself and a journalist which i've done twice now we drove over and got dockers related stories across across the country um absolutely unbelievable trip and then obviously to get there and then have to cover the game and i mean other teams that don't other supporters won't admit but we 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 had a chance in that game, you know. It, Absolutely. It, we, and, and, and we played a team that went on to be the team of the decade. So to get within 15 or whatever we lost by and to have our chances, it was a game that kind of went begging a little bit. Um, and then obviously having to cover it from the West Australian point of view, um, I never got to watch Hawthorne, you know, raise the cup. I never watched any of that. I just had to follow Frio and... Um, it was really sad. Thankfully, I didn't have to follow them into the change rooms because um, working for News Corp, you had other photographers doing that. So I just had to cover them on the ground. And, you know, having to photograph blokes like Pav and, and Ballas, you know, who I love as well. And um, it was just, it was a really emotional time. Like, you know, I kind of teared up myself, you know, like it's, it's um, and I'm kind of getting a bit emotional thinking about it. Like, it just was a, a real, and it was a moment that, I mean, I knew I would go to another AFL grand final. I knew that I would photograph another AFL grand final. But I knew for some of those guys, in fact, probably most of them, they'll never get there ever again. And um, it's a really, when you start thinking about them as individuals, it's, it's, a really, it's quite sad, you know. So from that point of view, covering it not just for the action, um, it, it, it changes the way you look at the game. If I was just going and photographing marks and kicking and guys celebrating goals... I'd love it, you know, it'd be great. But unfortunately, when you cover it uh, for a newspaper, that's that's probably twenty percent of it. You know, there's there's stuff happening in the crowd. You've got to cover. You know, there's the bad stuff. The you know, if there's brawls or whatever, you've got to cover. And I mean, a, a prime example is the um, uh, the goal that wasn't. You know, with um with Ballas when um uh, I got a series from that when he you know he was he was kicking it just in front of me and this is in the derby in. I'm trying to remember the year. I think maybe it was 2013 or yeah. 14 or 15. It was yeah. in that era. I can't remember yeah. the exact year. I mean, one of the photos um, has, has been made famous because it's a meme, you know, of Ballard's falling to the ground with his head <laughs> in his hands. But um, the series of photos is great. I've got a photo of a girl watching Ballard's line up, you know, praying um, that he kicked the goal. You know, um, we needed the goal to win the game. Um, and so that was a I won an award with that photo she was she looked like she was praying Ballas lines up kicks what we thought was a goal um, celebrates 
and then falls to the ground, you know, with his head in his hand. So Iconic this, moment yeah, in Frio yeah. So the series... Derby history. Yeah, yeah. So the series kind of... Um, yeah, I mean, it sums it up, I guess, in, in one sort of lot of frames. Um, and then obviously having to go from from them losing the game to have to shoot them coming off um, and then having to, you know, you've got to shoot the Eagles, you know, celebrating. So it's always a bit of a mixed emotion. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. And, and even the injuries, having to photo- photograph blokes that have just injured themselves. And um, it's a really strange thing to do, but they understand that it's our job. And, and unfortunately, it is part of our job. And as long as you don't get in their way, then, um, you know, it's all just sort of part of it. But... I mean, a sad one for me was was following Nick Nick Nat when he did his knee the first time, yeah. and um, for some reason I was one of the only photographers following him off the ground, and that was the story for me. It, the, the The result of the game was irrelevant. I can't even remember who won the game. I don't even um, remember who they were playing. No. Do you recall that? I don't. See, that's no. how important it was. It was a. I know it was a Friday night because we took the. We, I got the photos on a Friday night and. Um, I was working for the Sunday Times at the time and, and the West didn't have any images of him walking off um, you know, on the crutches and the images stayed relevant until the Sunday So, and, and it made the back page. And a rare feat for such a profile player yeah, oh, definitely. in an AFL game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because I guess from our point of view as, as staff uh, photographers, we, we need to cover that news angle. Um, Whereas the guys who cover the game, say for agencies, um, Gettys and AFL Photos, they, the news side of it is probably um, a small percentage of what they do, whereas for us it's a huge percentage. Um, so that, the other guys were probably off photographing the guys celebrating, you know, photographing the, the, the winning or losing team walking off. I mean, Nick walked across the Oval long before his teammates did. So... Um, and I just I just disregarded everything else that was happening because that was the story. So, um, and obviously he came back and then you know done his knee again. I think uh, a second time and he's back again now. So it's great. It's a good it's a good news story and everyone loves Nick Nat. You know, um, but at that time it was pretty sad. You know, um, a big fella. He's an absolutely lovely bloke, real gentleman, and um, it was just sad. I, you know, I was having to follow him across the ground and. You feel like a bit of a vulture, you know. So I know the feeling well. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, at at at, um, at PFL level, you know, there was I didn't have to worry about that sort of stuff. I, I did I, I did get some pretty horrific injuries, um, but I didn't have to worry about that sort of stuff. I just shot action, so I enjoyed it. And you you know you you were sitting on the sidelines. There was the banter, and it was it's a different kind of banter you know, pill football, like, and even at the waffle, it's a different kind of banter, it's friendly, it's, you know, it's, there's that rivalry, but it's, a, it's, it's fun, you know, whereas at AFL, there's that real tribal kind of, you know, you want to kind of, you know, thrash the team, and, and um, it, it gets to a stage where it kind of, it, it, sometimes it's a little bit much, you know, um, yeah. and I've sat in front of the same blokes on the sidelines for an entire season, and, um, and, you know, you just hear what some of the things they say, and yeah, but um, mate, it's it's a wonderful part of my career, you know, and I'm I'm absolutely stoked that I got to do it because um, you know it's a dream job, you know. So one thing I wanted to to circle back to, with, I just asked you about how it can sort of working the game can detriment your love for the game, the love that you sort of gain for the working side of the game almost replaces that I feel, yeah. particularly with photography, because. Yeah. I sit on the sideline at these PFL games, PFNL now, I suppose, 
Uh, and writing the notes is not something I enjoy doing. I, I don't really care for the story. I could write that off the back of my hand once I get back home just from memory for, for most things. Because yeah. like you said, you remember that key part of the game and you, you harp on about that. The photography side, as someone I've never trained in photography, as someone in modern news, in regional news, I've been given a camera and told yeah. to go point and click. I've called you a couple of times yeah. for, for tips, which I'm very thankful That's for. Right. But the love that you can gain from sitting there and knowing you've got a good frame, even yeah. someone like me who's never been trained in photography, meaning I've never been trained to love it either or know what I'm looking for, yeah. I know when I've snapped a good footy frame... It's a certain feeling where I'll be looking back through frames while plays happening up yeah. the other end of the ground and I'll miss a goal or something just so as I, I know I've yeah. snapped a good one. So how, how does that sort of feel for someone of your level that's taken so many good AFL photos to, to be able to look back and say, you know, or to look back at a portfolio of yours or something? Is that, is that something that will always give you a bit of pride, a oh, bit of joy? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that buzz you get uh, you're right, when, you, when you capture the, a moment... Um, because with shooting action, you are capturing moments. It's not like you can go back and say, look, guys, I, I missed that. I focused on the player in front of you. You've missed a moment, you know, um, especially with marks, you know, and things like that. Um, if you miss a mark of the year, then, you know, you're head in your hands for the rest of the game, um, which happens. It happens. Absolutely. I mean, the amount of times the mark of the year has been taken down the other end of the ground or the opposite side of the ground happens all the time. You can't help that. Um but yeah, the buzz you get. I mean, I get it at Waffle. I, you know, when I get a cracking shot, it doesn't matter that they're not AFL players. I, I just, you know, you still get that buzz. And um, which a lot of the times they are still AFL players in your yeah. case, right? You follow Pill Thunder quite closely. Yeah, or they're future AFL players. I mean, yeah. I photographed. Um, is it Ryan Davis who ended up going from the Swans to to the Gold Coast? And the year that he got picked up um, after, I mean, he left. He was a, I think he was a rookie or he was a player at the at West Coast. Got delisted. Went and played for Swans. Got picked up a second time by Gold Coast after this absolutely stellar year of um, footy with with Swan Districts, and the shots I was getting of him were just unbelievable. He was such a great player to photograph, um, and yeah, you'd kind of walk away from these games buzzing. Um, sometimes those pictures never see the light of day because if you get a cracking photo of a bloke that's got two possessions, he's not going in the paper. <laughs> Always um, a shame. <laughs> yeah, but having said that, sometimes. Um, the sub-editors, when they're laying out a page, will pick a, a, a photo purely on on the quality of the image um, and not so much on how that player went. I mean, they're always looking for good photos of good players, um, but if you get a cracking mark of a bloke that didn't really do much else, it's probably still going to get a run. Um, and I think that's probably as much of a buzz like seeing your picks um, ran well and um, and ran on like, the back page and, and over here footy goes on the front page as well which is really cool um you know much to much to the disgust of people that don't like going <laughs> um but yeah i mean and, and obviously back when we were part of the news corp um group i mean getting a getting images throughout the, you know the, the country um that was a buzz as well you know like i'd have mates in melbourne or sydney um messaging me saying great back page or whatever and it was always a buzz so um and i still do get that buzz you know but yeah um, yeah, I, I want to circle back 
to you mentioned the 2013 grand final before, and you mentioned you've done another one. I'm guessing it was 2015 when the Eagles were in. I've done both the Eagles, GF. So both yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. So you went yeah. 2018 for yeah. the Dom Sheed yeah. one. Yeah. I wanted to ask, but I wanted to ask specifically for 2013. But throw that out the window. Give me anything. We've, if you're going on these trips, like you said, you've come across some amazing stories and amazing trips that they were. What were some of the stories that you came um, across? Well, I mean, the the two times we drove across, um, they were just unbelievable. Like. Um, sharing stories um, with people on the road. Um, obviously, there's a huge contingent of supporters that drive across, and um, you know, you're sharing. It's, it's probably sounds a bit trivial now, but you're sharing tips on where to get burgers from, and you know, where that where the best pie shop is, or whatever. And and obviously, having that following on Twitter, you know, you're able to communicate with people like that. Um, the Dockers one, um, I've kind of tried to scratch it from my memory, to be honest. Um, the Eagles losing one was funny for me because... Um, because you saw the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> well, not funny, literally, but... Um, uh, I, when you cover the AFL Grand Final and you're there on your own, you have to get everything. So you've got to shoot um, the colour. You know? So you've got to shoot photos of fans, family, that sort of thing before the game. So quite often I'll spend the first quarter of, of the game sending my pictures from before the game. So I would have had to... At that game, I would have had to have gotten... Um, Nick Nat's family. I think his mum had just passed away. I think that before that game, so his brother—that's uh, correct. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. So his brother was there, um, having to get photos of the wags. You know, um, <laughs> the kids, um, crazy fanatical fans, having to get all that before the game, and then having to send it because um, they want to see that sort of stuff for the newspapers. So I will quite often spend the first quarter of the game sending. That game was over at quarter time. Um, I think it was Hawthorne, wasn't it? That they it was. Yeah. They destroyed. Them. They destroyed. Yeah, they absolutely destroyed them. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get to to really take much of the game in, to be honest. Um, a couple of key moments. You know, there was a Josh Hill um, fumble um, in the goal square, which got nice frames of, which kind of became a bit iconic. I missed the Jack uh, Jack Darling fumbled mark, but again, has become a meme. Oh, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, for me, I mean, I felt I still felt a bit sad for them, you know, even though there was that kind of like, great, they didn't win another flag, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're not going to hear about that. I did feel for them because you build relationships with these guys, you know, um, I know a few of them and, and you kind of hate seeing them again because some of those guys, I mean, they got to, unfortunately, they got to go back, most of them, a couple of years later and win yeah. one, you know. And again, from that from that uh, grand final, obviously the Dom Sheed kick, but there's blokes from that grand final that, um, like Venables, for example, um, who um, may never play AFL again because of his concussion, and he, he's a premiership player, Willie Rioli, who may never come back to footy. I don't know what's going on with that, but he may never be you know, an AFL player. And there's guys in there that, if you'd asked anyone, any football supporter... They weren't premiership players, you know. They wouldn't have had Chris Maston or Marston in a list of premiership players. They wouldn't have had half the guys. Tom Cole, they wouldn't have had in there, you know. Like it becomes their football legacy. Yeah, it does. Um, and so, and also that year, um, I'd worked quite closely with Tom Brass's dad. So Tony was a was a um, was a journal at the newspaper at the Sunday Times, and so again, I kind of had that little. And he had a cracking game, Tom. In the, in the grand final and, and so I kind of almost had that connection with the Eagles which which felt odd because I didn't want to support them no one you know no free supporter ever wants to support the Eagles but I kind of felt felt like I needed to 
Um, and again, that game was almost over at quarter time. I, I came out of the bunker or the, the photography room downstairs and I thought that game was over. Um, the, the guy who runs the photography room, who, who's a Carlton, uh, sorry, Collingwood supporter, he was pretty much joking with me saying you should just pack up and, and go back to the hotel, you know. Um, so to witness that and come back from that game and then obviously that Dom Sheep um, uh, goal... Uh, was amazing. So, Where were you for the Dom Sheep goal? <laughs> I was, I was, I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. It's quite funny because I, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be shooting the action, right? So right. we had, we had a West Australian photographer there shooting the action. In fact, we had two. Uh, I was there for the Sunday time, so I was just getting colour. So getting again, getting the, the crowd reaction, that sort of thing. At, at uh, quarter time, my editor asked me to then go out and shoot the action. I hadn't, I didn't take a. a as a, you know, a telephoto lens with me. So I, I luckily I had a fairly good um, zoom. You know, I had a, I had a one to four hundred mil lens, so I was able to sit fairly deep in the pocket and still get some good shots. Last quarter, um, I was sitting uh, next to um, uh, I think a West photographer, and I thought to myself, I really should move. I should go to the other side of the ground uh, because really we shouldn't be sitting next to each other, even though at that stage. We were, owned, we were owned by the West, but we were still kind of our, our own paper. That was very early in the days of yeah. the joint, wasn't it? Yeah, very strange. It was a real strange time for us. Um, so anyway, I didn't move. Um, I didn't regret my decision at all because um, I got some great shots of JK celebrating, facing the crowd, you know, doing double fist pumps. And I was thinking, great, I've got front page, I've got back page. And then Dom Sheet does what he did, um, pretty much where I would have been sitting. So... And I didn't get anything of it because I was on the other side of the field. So, um, yeah, look, it happens. It happens often in sport. I mean, you can only sit where you can sit. And uh, if something happens somewhere else, then so be it. But um, I was a bit sort of PO'd about that. But um, And then obviously they went on to win it. So, um, but yeah, it was, yeah. And f- I guess for for a moment I was kind of like an Eagle supporter, which yeah. know, I had to go and have a shower afterwards. And I must admit, <laughs> I watched the the same grand final uh, with my friends, uh, just a group of guys that I went to school with, um, down at a house in Brunswick. One of them just got a new house, wanted to break in the theatre room. Uh, we had one Eagles fan among us, and he is the most obnoxious one-eyed oh, Eagles right. fan ever. And and that's that's an achievement. Yeah. And even I found myself supporting yeah, for them. Once yeah. he got the chance to celebrate and she did kick that goal and then the siren sounds, we were all happy for him yeah. for at least about 30 minutes until we went back to hating him yeah. for it. But uh, it, it was infectious, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, can imagine being at the ground would have been even more yeah. so. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, um, again, there's just those stories. You know, there's stories like the Mastons, you know, Liam Ryan, whoever. There's all these great stories. Vardy, who probably, you know... If, if Nick Nat hadn't been injured, probably wouldn't have been out there. Um, but then on the flip side with Collingwood, obviously Chris Mayne being a Frio supporter, and I know Chris's dad quite well. And um, I mean, a lot of Frio supporters, they used to give Chris quite a lot of, you know, stick. Oh, and, yeah. um, to, towards the end of yeah. the Chris Mayne era in Fremantle, Chris Mayne was not a well-liked yeah. guy among um, the fan base. Yes, yeah. which I just never got. Um, I mean, obviously dealing with Frio um, as a freelance photographer and seeing the work that Chris did on off the field um, with, you know, sick kids and whatnot. Starlight Foundation, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and he's continued that over there, over at Collingwood. He still does a lot of work off the field. And so I was stoked to see certain guys, you know, um, 
win a medal, but then seeing blokes like Chris, um, you know, the disappointment, um, it was pretty sad, you know. So, Particularly with the game Chris had put in. I mean, yeah. that, that was a cracking, oh, yeah. one of the best games of his yeah. career yeah. Yeah. come at crunch time. Yeah, and I mean, he they, they, were, they were a minute or two minutes away from being premiership players, you know. Um, thankfully, he's been signed again. I think he's got an extension, and they're probably well, they're probably one of the top five, I guess, this year. I don't, I don't know. I would you think know. so. Yeah. Um, but then again, so are the Eagles. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, tell me about the rapport that you build with players, because I, I feel that too. I, I started as a reporter in the Southwest Football League at the country level. Uh, originally, I had played hundred odd junior games for the Harvey Bulls and I had played fifty odd Colts games for them and that was my club. That was where I grew up. And then I started as a reporter and I had to leave the playing behind, which wasn't too unfortunate for me because I was terrible. But I moved on to the reporting and the immediate sense was that I was going to be biased. I was wearing Harvey Bulls club yeah. shirts to games with uh, with a notepad. Uh, not a good move. Yeah. But I, I began to sort of leave not leave Harvey behind, I'll always love that club, but I began to sort of embrace some of the other clubs that I'd hated before because I would play against them. And it's true, you speak to these people, you, you talk to them and you realise they're people just the same as you've got at your club. How is that on an AFL level where, like you say, you're building rapport, a rapport with Eagles players, you, you know these athletes well, just going to jobs with them and things like that. I mean, what, what are some of the connections that stand out to you most and some of the people that have left an impression on you? Uh, well, obviously, I mean, number one is, is Pav, you know, um, absolute professional, um, you know, on and off the field. Um, and just seeing him become the player he eventually was and the captain that he was and the leader. Um, and uh, every dealing with him was excellent. He'd always ask, you know how you how you are, and he'd always remember your name, which is important, which very rarely happens, especially what we do. You know, absolutely. Um, and he'd always, yeah, he just was an absolute professional. When I had my first child, um, we were talking about not getting any sleep, and and uh, he had his baby due, I think, months, maybe six months later, and um, so I was sort of joking about that, not getting any sleep, and he's just an absolute professional. You know, David Mundy's another one that. Um, that I've got a, a massive amount of time for. And, and then obviously Ballers, you know, like, you know, blokes like that, that, um, I mean, I was sitting on a, on a Peel Thunder table at a function before I got picked up and, and we were joking with Mark Harvey, who was on the same table about how they should sign this bloke. And, yeah. and, um, you know, a little bloody mongrel from, from Peel Thunder and watching him play for Peel Thunder and then do the same stuff he was doing for Peel Thunder for Frio was just amazing. And, Again, a guy that opposition um, supporters hated and probably don't credit him as much as they should. I mean, all Australian player, you know, um, bloody did a great job from where he came from and um, maybe towards the end of the career, probably, you know, tailed off a little bit as it does with, with all stars, but um, here's another one I've got a lot of time for. But um, for us, I mean, obviously following from a local point of view, seeing these guys that are... Appeal Thunder players, you know, going off and becoming um, AFL stars, or even just just playing with AFL clubs, you kind of start following the teams that they play for a little bit, um, which I found, you know, like back when I was working, I guess for the Mandramal, the Coastal Times, you know, blokes like Daniel Wells who who were off, and the local boy Daniel Haynes who played for Frio. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just sort of follow them a little bit. 
closer. Um, and when they go to an opposition club, you kind of, your interest is kind of pricked up a little bit because of those guys. Um, it's it's great. It's nice to see them. And even, um, you know, like locally, oh, I've never I've seen the kid play once, but that Jar- Jarvis. Is it Pen- Penner? Penner. Yeah. Jarvis Penner, yeah. South yeah. Mandra boy. Who yeah. Has obviously just been recruited to Freo. Yeah. yeah. So I've had one dealing with that kid, and um, he left an absolute um, impression on me when I, I photographed him as a preview for the Waffle Grand Final. And he just had, um, I just had a feeling that he was he was going to go on. You know, he may not become it. He may not become a star at AFL level, but he's made a good impression first up at Freo. He has. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was professional. He was polite. Um, and obviously these kids now are probably trained in that, you know, but um, it, it was great, you know, um, for the for the, t- the half an hour I had with him, you know, he was he was great. And a lot of these guys, um, you know, some of them don't give you the time of day and that's that's it. You, you, you're taking up their time. I've had some interesting dealings with Fife. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at the end of the day, everyone wants a piece of them, you know. And you and they have to be cautious, especially from from us in the media. Um, they have to be cautious about um, if there's an agenda, or especially lately with with um, Frio and you know Ross Lyon and Absolutely. that sort of thing. Um, so there's always that cautiousness. But um, I mean, yeah, my dealings, I guess, with Frio have been better because they know a lot of the guys know I'm a Frio supporter. Um, in fact, a lot of the Eagles guys probably do as well. Has <laughs> anyone, any Eagle ever towed you up on this? Uh, well, John Warsaw did when he was the coach. <laughs> uh, it's quite funny, actually, because I photographed... Um, we were doing this team team behind the team story. So we were photographing the AFL clubs, you know, the cricket. So we're photographing the guys that no one knew behind the scenes. So the Eagles at that stage had a lot of staff members and we got them in their room uh, where they uh, warm up and where they finish the game. And Nizzy and uh, and Worsfold had the, the cups, you know. Um, and, of course, um, uh, Wush knew I was a Freo supporter and in front of 100-plus um, support staff held up one of these and, and, and asked me if I knew what it was. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and, I mean, it was a joke. It was fun. It was, you know, and I, I kind of, every time I would go into the, the Eagles' rooms, I mean, they, they display them proudly, of course, as I, every AFL club does that's one one you know um unfortunately we don't have one at all yeah we don't we don't know about that but we've, uh, we'll hold hope we'll, we'll get there um but yeah and so i mean it's moments like that, that that are great you know and um again they're an opposition club and you know but yeah no but they're all they're all just they're all human at the end of the day and that's you know that's the thing we we hold them like they're these gods you know and and some of them go on to become um even bigger celebrities I guess once they finish footy you know and go on obviously into the media or become coaches some of them just fade away and we never hear from ever again you know and um, it's funny that's what I always I sort of think back to the Peel Football League and there was these kind of godlike players you know in, in the country league these yeah. guys I mean like Tregenza for example you know bagging 10 goals a game he was an absolute legend you know and I mean I see him I see him around a little bit but there were so many players that would you were writing about and photographing like there were these, you know, these Brownlow medalists. Yeah. Like, you just never hear, hear from them ever again, you know? And it's sort of odd, you know? Um, for a whole well, for a whole season, you, you're writing about them like they're these superstars, you know? So... It is funny how it happens like that. I know in my role, following the, the PFL so closely, uh, the whole 
eight months of the season, almost nine if you count the, the pre-end, and then on grand final day, country footy just kind of stops yeah. after that. It doesn't really tail on. There's no real articles to come after that. But there's probably about... It probably goes for about eight and a half months, really, that crux of the season where you're just absorbed by it. And it's absorbed by you. And, and there's just this to and forth between players, coaches, people... And then it all comes to an end in yeah. the off-season and I don't hear from anyone until it all starts up again. And yeah. it's a it's a handshake and it's a have you been, how's your summer? And it's really funny the way it unfolds like yeah. that. Well, I mean, I guess with the local league, um, back, I guess back when I was shooting, you'd, you'd quite often, you'd be drinking with these blokes, you know, as well on the weekends. So, yeah. um, and again, that's where having those allegiances would be quite funny because, you know, I, I would... Um, I was pretty open about my my um, my supporting South Mandra. You know, I had a lot of mates that supported South Mandra, and then it was funny. You'd cover like you might cover three South Mandra games in a row, and of course, people would criticise you because you 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 know you're favouring one team over another. And I used to um, I've been called the South Mandra <laughs> male my fair oh, share of times. There you so go. I, know what you're um, about. I mean, little did they know that you know you're, you're getting paid a very small amount to cover the games. I was writing as well at that stage. I did a bit of footy writing myself, and um, and you were getting paid very little, and you weren't really going to be travelling to Mundajong or Harvey. I used to get out to Warona. I had a soft spot for Warona. I do like going to the Warona yeah. games. Well, yeah. I try to get to about two or three. Yeah, yeah. it was funny. Um, Back when I was I was doing the writing um, for the budget and for the paper, we had the tipping in there, and there was this there was a tipper in there. I can't remember who what the name was, but it was a secret, you know. And so I was I was that that guy, you know, and, and uh, so I put my tips in under this disguise of whoever it was, and the demons worked out who somehow who I was, and it was great because I'd always tip them. I'd always, I'd always go against the grain, and you know like. It might be a game against Penny or, or or against Harvey, and everyone would be going Penny or Harvey, and I'd I'd tip Warona, and every now and again they'd get up, and you know I'd kind of look like the hero, and and they worked out who it was. I don't know how, and um, so they kind of looked after me a little bit out there, and yeah. um, but again, that you know the 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 personalities and the characters you had back then were just I think they had, you know they had wooden goals back then, you know they they yeah. looked like telephone poles and. Um, covering games like that when it's you know they're all all on the sidelines yelling out stuff and it was just uh, it was just unreal. You know? Who were some of the characters around the PFL in that time? You've mentioned Rod a couple of times. Yeah. Genza, um, of course, is the the king of South Mandra. Yeah. Um, I believe he's got a it's a pocket or an end named after yeah. him, and then well, Sol Dawes got the scoreboard. Yeah. But well, who, who were some of the characters around the league well, when I mean, you were covering it? Sol's another one, obviously. Um, he, he always looked like a bloke that was a lot older than what he was. Um, <laughs> uh, now, he, I mean, now he's super healthy and super fit. But, he's a machine. You know, he's still yeah, playing. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, Sol was another one. I mean, South Mandra had a few. Um, the Sheik, uh, I can't even remember his real name. I wish I should have uh, found that out. He played for Pinjarra and I think for South Mandra. So he played with like a towel kind of on his head. Probably a bit politically incorrect, you know, incorrect <laughs> these days. But um, yeah, he... Um, he was a character. Every club had him. I mean, we had um, we had a couple of we had Nicky Wimmer come and play for Quinana, which was exciting. We had a couple of sort of ex AFL guys that would drift in and out. Um, you know, the the late Jay Rag Refa, who who played for South Mandra, he was a bit of a character, and and um, they were just everywhere. Mark Bayless for Harvey Bulls, yeah. you know, this this massive man, you know, who um, 
and he was he was big. Oh yeah, back back yeah. in those days. Bellis is uh, he spent a lot of time. Well, obviously, I was in Harvey. I was yeah. a young kid then, so he was coaching them. Wasn't yeah, he? yeah. Uh, he, no, he played as well. He and, was playing yeah, as well. And, and yeah, on a day, on his on his day, he would rival Tregenza for the amount of goals. He was amazing. But I can't remember um, how many games Bayless played for Collingwood. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, it was for the Dolphins. Yeah, Collingwood. Yeah, no, Collingwood. Was, yeah I, I can't remember how many it was, but obviously played at that level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, blokes like that, and um, oh, I mean, Mandra had quite a few. Um, I mean, Clinton Dennis, who was the kind of golden boy of the Peel Football League, he won uh, the Ross Elliott Medal, um, and then went on to be, I think, the first signing um, for Peel Thunder. Never played for Peel Thunder, I don't think. Um, we had, we just had heaps. Toddy Nancaro out of Pinjarra, obviously, you know, famous Pinjarra name. There was a whole heap of guys out there that were playing, and, and Pinjarra when they were. When they were at their, their best, some of the guys out there were just unbelievable to watch. Bruce Breen, he was a, a ruckman. Um, just unbelievable. Like, big, big fella, but could do everything, you know? And, um, yeah, they, these guys are just, yeah, I guess now they're just old fellas watching footy. I mean, I, I see Breeny a little bit on Facebook, and I see a few others around the town. And, um, I mean, Brad Perry as well, who um, who was a Mandra Mustangs guy, and, and Rob Lawson. These guys are just... Um, Again, absolute stars, you know, and some of them um, got out of footy probably at the right time and are, are walking around like um, like normal people, and then the other fellows who probably went on and played too many years are walking around like you know old bunnies. <laughs> you see them around, and you know you have a chat, and you know you know who they are, you know you know you know they're Premiership players, but not many other people probably do. So, um, but yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that there's still characters like that around. You know, oh, absolutely. Probably is. Yeah. Um, but um, and we had this one guy for South Mandarin. Uh, oh, he was a he was a, a crazy guy. Went up to Carrara and played, and and uh, always just getting suspended. You know, just doing crazy <laughs> stuff. And and one year he, he he I told him at the start of the year he was a fair chance to win the medal, and he went on and unfortunately he was suspended, so he couldn't win. And um. And he was just, he was a madman, you know, just an absolute madman. And on his, but on his day, he was unbelievable. I wish I could remember his name, but um, yeah, it was just a really good time. And, and some of the grounds you'd go to, I mean, obviously you'd go down to Harvey every now and again, and it'd always get flooded. And um, you know, it was just, it was just fun. It was a really fun job, you know. And um, when I stopped shooting the AFL, I kind of was like, I was kind of craving that fun again. And um, I would love to have gone back and just shot a bit of PFL just for fun. You know, if I had the if I had the equipment um, at home, I probably would have just gone along and snapped some stuff just just for the hell of it. You know, so because um, obviously you got to keep your eye in when you shoot sport, and that's the unfortunate part for us now is we might shoot say five or six games a year. Um, when you're shooting every game, you, you, it does take you a couple of couple of games to get your eye in. There's a real rhythm to find. Oh, there is. Even, yeah. even on my level, I've noticed that there's a real rhythm. I'll start a season of football, and there's just a lot of rust to shake yeah. off. Yeah. yeah, and it's kind of funny. Like people underestimate how much goes into shooting footy, and um, it, it's like I mean, from our point of view as well, we're sending as well, so we're having to send and shoot at the same time, depending on the deadline. Um, it's really tough. Like if you if you're shooting a Friday night game in Perth, you've got um, papers over east waiting for your pitches. So these guys that are shooting for agencies are having to shoot and send constantly, um, and it's a really hard thing to do. Um, and then obviously you throw in you know the elements like the weather. You know if you, if it's pouring down with rain or windy or whatever or hot if you're shooting cricket, um, 
it's it's a really tough gig. Like we were saying, like people think it's the, you know, people think it's great and it's not even a real job. And I just sit there and go and watch the footy or the cricket. I mean, the test the test is a prime example. My mates used to think I'd just go and sit on the boundary and watch a test match for five days, and um, there wouldn't have been a, a test in Perth that I haven't been sunstroke by the end of it because you've been out in forty degree heat in the sun for eight hours a day. Um, Mate, if you had your choice, you wouldn't do that. You'd be sitting in the bar <laughs> drinking, drinking beer, you know. But um, it's your job, and you know sometimes it's amazing, like you're capturing you're capturing those moments that are historic. Um, other times you can just get nothing, you know. And you've sat in the sun or the rain or whatever for a whole time and had and got nothing. And um, but but again, you're, you're shooting forty or cricket for a, for a gig, so that kind of um, makes up for it, you know. What about, I suppose, photographers that are coming through the ranks that might want to... Because I know you're big on, on mentoring photographers and you've run workshops and things like that. I don't know if you're still running the workshops. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Yep, so still running the workshops and things like that. You even mentioned that Michael Wilson, the famed AFL photographer that he's gone on to be, uh, you know, started as a snapper when, when you were around. It, what would you say to photographers that are just starting out and also who are some of the ones that, you know, you've, you've worked with like Michael Wilson that have gone on to do big things? Um, well, Willow um, was working with AFL Photos when I started and he was just one of those guys you could always bounce ideas off and always a superb photographer, really good operator and always looking for the, the shot, you know. I mean, the Taylor Harris shot that he got is a prime example. Um, you know, other photographers probably wouldn't even have submitted that picture. Um, but now it's gone on to be one of the iconic images of not just the women's football, but probably the AFL for a long time. It, it created a lot of debate, obviously, online. And um, But Phil Hilliard, for me, the, the um, it was from Sydney, the Daily Telegraph photographer, he's the one who, um, who I have always looked up to. Um, and I've had the opportunity to work with him numerous times and um, he's another one that's always just looking for that shot you know he understands the story um, not just trying to get pretty pictures he understands the story thankfully he can do both because he's an amazing photographer um, but I guess um, yeah I guess getting into it it's, it's a different time now you know like when I was starting um, photography and even when I studied photography at Kudnut when I was doing photography there um, most people that wanted to be photographers wanted to work in newspapers and um, now not many people do, if any. It's a different um, landscape yeah, in that regard. It is, yeah. I mean, I go and talk to kids at school and um, and I try and describe what we do and they don't really don't kind of care too much until you show them the people that you've worked with or to, you know, you show them the photos and or, or a big lens and they, they it kind of gets their attention a little yeah. bit. But um, it's a different time. People... Um, want to shoot a specific thing these days landscapes or or they might want to go and shoot sports still which is really cool i never wanted to be just a sports photographer i'm absolutely blessed that i got to shoot sport and still do shoot sport um i've obviously got my bucket list things like we were talking about earlier the olympics and a few other things and um but i'm happy that i get to shoot everything and it's an art now working for newspapers that I think not just photographers, but people in general really just have no idea about. Um, a lot of the time we're shooting things that, um, like I said earlier, moments that just, if they, if you miss it, they're gone, you know, and um, it's a skill to know that that moment is going to happen and then to capture it and then to be good enough to get it. Um, so I guess 
I mean, any advice I always offer is is to pick a genre of photography that you really do enjoy. Um, don't just go chasing, um, you know, a genre of photography because you think it's cool or because you think you're going to make money. Because um, you, you're not, you know, you're definitely not going to make money out of it. Um, very few photographers um, are making bulk money. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely uh, it's a passion it's a business. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, there's some old dogs in the papers that are still earning earning good money because they, you know, they came through at the right time. Um, there's, you know, there's obviously wedding photographers and corporate photographers. There's a whole chunk of photographers that are in and out of the game that it just it just sort of spits you out after a while. Um, it's it's a, a very gear orientated uh, industry, so you obviously got to have the the latest equipment. Um, you've got to have good equipment. Um, so that's a, that's a bit telling sometimes because especially sport, um, you've really got to have good equipment. Um, you can have kind of semi-pro stuff and you can get some good shots, but um, especially if you are looking at moving into that kind of pro rank, um, the equipment is, is important. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, it's just kind of finding something that you, you love. If you love photography and you want to do it professionally, um, I, ne- I never say not to follow your, your dream if that's, you know, because if someone had said that to me, um, I would have hated it, you know, because uh, photography is all I know how to do, you know. So, um, and I'm glad that I've built a career out of it. And there's probably still careers to be built out of photography. Obviously, social media and um, and that sort of side of it now, um, people creating content, that sort of thing, that's a side of the business that um, p- potentially can be explored for for um, photographers coming up through through the ranks, I guess. But um, the key thing is just finding that love, you know. And um, like like we were just talking about, if you love your your job, you know, um, it doesn't feel like a job. Um, but then, yeah, the disclaimer is sometimes you, you do fall out of love of photography if it is your job. You know, yeah. like I, I was chatting to a bloke this week and he was saying, oh, you must love your job and you must be taking photos all the time. And, and I, I've gone through years where I've not picked up a camera outside of work because I just hate taking pictures, you know? So, um, but then other times you just, you know, you're snapping away, taking pictures of your kids or landscapes or whatever. So, um, you got to still try and keep it as a passion, I think. So that's the key. You yeah. Know? So mate, before we jump there, there's a photo that I wanted to ask you about. Now I should have, I should have been better and I should have brought this in to show you. Obviously <laughs> listeners won't get a visual, yeah. but it's a photo that, let me describe it to you and I, you can tell me about it. It was a cracker that you took. I'm going to say it was 2016 uh, and there was a brawl on the sideline of a Frio game. Now, I'm thinking it was Brady Gray and Hayden Crozier that oh, yeah. spilled over. Yeah, yeah. And well, you captured this cracking shot yeah. from just above them. Yeah. What are some of the stories that come along with photos like that or even if there is one for that particular photo where the tempers have spilled over on an AFL sideline and you might cop you know, you might, as a photographer, you might hear a bit of the banter that has been thrown around or you've got to scramble to get out of the way. I mean, yeah. what are some of the more memorable moments like that? Uh, well, that was memorable. That was, I think, against the Bulldogs, possibly. Yeah, um, if memory serves me correctly, yeah, it was. Um, and Brady being an absolute scrapper, um, it was great. It happened right near me. Um, the unfortunate part of shooting, um, uh, shooting sport is you're quite often limited with what lenses you've got on your, on your cameras. So that happened couple of metres away from me. I've got a 600mm lens, which, you know, is the big telephoto. I've got a 7-inch two on the other camera. I can't capture stuff that's right in front of me. 
Um, so thankfully, they were just far enough away for uh, for me to get shots on the 70 to two. Um, ultimately, I would have had a third camera with a wide-angle lens. I didn't. Um, sometimes I do, but I didn't that game. Um, that was pretty full on. Um, the one that was probably the most memorable was um, the Chris Marston um, Nick Subin bite. Ah, yeah. So right. that, that happened right in front of me. Yeah. Um, and so I had shots of um, the wel- the welts on Nick's. Um, they were your shots then. I've seen them. I, I yeah. just couldn't put the, the credit to the photo yeah, in my mind. So when you send your photos, you have to caption as, as good as you can. Um, because I love footy, I know all the players, I know the names, and I always caption my images so a sub-editor can understand the moment in the game or the context. So when I captured my images about then, uh, about that incident, I sent in a hell of a lot of photos. And in my caption, I, I mentioned that I overheard Nick Subin say he bit me because it happened right in front of me. You often don't hear them talking because the buzz of the ground, you you know, the plight, you know... The, the There's often 40,000 other oh, people and, talking. And the other thing is, is we shoot with, with headphones in. So I listen to the radio when I shoot. So I hear Nick Subin say, you beat me, you know, and, and uh, so I put that in my caption and um, I had Fox Sports who were part of the News Corp, who are part of the News Corp um, group. I had, a, I had an editor ask me what, what was all about and this was before um, he'd even been re- reported or hadn't been mentioned and I said, oh look, I, I thought I overheard him say he bit me, that's why I zoomed in on, on his the welts on his arm. You could kind of see those little bite marks and then eventually, um, yeah, he got he got. Re- Chris got reported for it, and I think he copped a suspension for it. And I think he got a good three weeks yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so I mean, things like that happen. I mean, I've had I've had Pav heading full steam towards me, and you got to curl up like a ball. And <laughs> you know, other guys think that they're going to keep shooting, but um, mate, when you got a hundred kilo, you know, athlete, you know, heading full steam towards you, you curl up, and you would hate to be the guy that you know causes an injury as well. I mean, you've got a big kind of metal lens and a, and a monopod and um, you would hate for one of them to kind of hurt, hurt themselves on your equipment. But um, sometimes it feels like you're, you're kind of part of the game. And, uh, you know, you are. I mean, I guess you're, you're between the fence line and the, and the, the boundary line. And, um, yeah, some of the moments have been pretty full on. Um, mostly the banter from the crowd, I think, is probably the memorable part. Some of the, some of the funny comments, some of the sledges that are kind of funny and then others that are just disgusting, you know. Um, I had a group of Eagle supporters who I used to sit in front of and um, they knew I was a Docker supporter and they used to call so me... That can't have yeah. been pleasant. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but you know what? I was sick one day at a game. I was physically sick and they, they offered to get me a drink and something to eat. And they, they were great. I sat in front of them for three years. So three every every second week for three years I sat in front of them. But they would quite often ask me who a player was and I'd say, oh, that's so-and-so. And, and then they'd just lean over the fence and sort of give him this bit, of, you know. And it was—they were genuinely funny guys, you know, really funny guys. And it made—it made made the game for me, you know. Um, as much as I disliked photographing the Eagles at that time, they—they they made it memorable. Um, and it was good because you, you, you spend a whole year if you sit in the same spot, you spend a whole year sitting in front of the same people. So um, those those kind of moments are probably as memorable as the stuff that happened on the field. Yeah. Well, mate, I think that's it. I think <laughs> that's us. Right. Thanks so much for coming on the show. You're yeah, my first guest on the show, and I've absolutely loved hearing the stories that you've had to tell. Those are crackers, and I thank you so much for it. 
it wouldn't be right for us to leave without at least giving you some sort of plug because I it piqued my interest when you said you're still running the photo workshops before. So please, people, do keep an eye out if you... Is, I'm guessing there's an email address or something I'll be able to post on social media yeah, or something. Yeah, I mean, I kind of just... I, I do as much as I, I can, obviously, and I try and keep um, my finger in as many pies as possible, but um, obviously the social media is where it's at for all of us these days. So yeah. um, I'm just uh, Lens Van Dan, obviously, on, on uh, social media, but um, yeah, happy to to do anything really to do go look up young aspiring photographers particularly if you're in the Mandra metro Peel region sort of area do go look up Lensman Dan and get in touch with him mate it's been an absolute pleasure thank and thank you so much for coming on and I'm sure we'll have you on again whenever you're ready Thanks, whenever you want well we need to talk about Freo and, and Lloyd Meek and we didn't even get to that this time <laughs> we didn't even get to it your stories were That's too right, good so yeah. We will get to that next time. We'll oh, be uh, we'll let the Frio season unfold a bit, yeah. and then we'll get you back on, and, and we can check in then, and we no can drums. we can have some some hot takes on Frio. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Thanks, mate.